Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. everybody thanks for coming back we're now up to chapter four of six in part one shaping up the decisions you need to make in conversations of change a guide to implementing workplace change just a reminder if this is your first time hitting the podcast um, do head back scroll back and find where we started about three or four days ago uh, to chapter one this is a bit of an experiment that I'm running at the moment uh, typically I interview leaders of change about their experience but I thought I'd change it up a little bit and experiment with a bit of a mini audiobook um, and see how that offers value to people so keen to get your feedback uh, if you can okay chapter four perfect match more than just a game show. It's often lamented that it's difficult to find a real change manager. Now, one of the reasons is because the people who are looking for change management resources don't necessarily understand the field in order to determine who they are looking for. So this book is going to help you with that one. Another reason is that people who present as change management resources don't always have the background to do so. And so it can be difficult to spot the wannabes and the fakes. This chapter helps you to navigate the selection of your change resources, whether they be an external change consultant, an external change manager, or an internal change resource. So let's start with the basics. Regardless of whether they are internal or external, here's a list of attributes I would be interested in when recruiting an experienced change management resource. So one, they may have a background with one of the big four or big six consulting firms, so Deloitte's. PwC, Accenture, Ernst & Young, or large corporations who can take a lot of credit for getting up change management practices in the 80s, so IBM, GE, Lotus. These larger firms did a lot of work in the 80s and 90s with academic institutions to develop change management practices, educate clients in the need for organisational change management, and refine models of change in their consulting wings. So your resources may, however, also have come, in from, come from smaller consultancies or have been working independently within these organisations. So they often can talk to the methodologies they've used in these previous consultancies and they often have a default process that guides them through the messiness of human behaviour. Now, this default to structure can be a double-edged sword. So it can be of enormous benefit in situations of ambiguity and uncertainty. However, an over-reliance on structure can occur through to the detriment of empathy and compassion and the ability to build rapport. So you're perhaps going to want to ask some questions about that. Two, they've probably undergone a fair bit of professional development in the field. And this may look like post-grad qualifications in change management, or they may have a professional accreditation such as ACMP, ProSci, CPI, or CMI. They've also invested in their careers as change professionals and have been exposed to many of the thought leaders in their studies or professional development. They read the latest information published and can compare it to the earlier seminal texts on change and organisational development. 
They've probably come from one of the following professional backgrounds, training, HR, psychology, engineering, management, education, and communications. So there's varied pathways into the field, but each of them bring a lens that's really useful. Four, they're familiar with models of change, and they know the pros and cons of many of them and understand which model or framework is useful for particular situations. So a non-exhaustive list to consider would be TQM, Kaizen, Lean, Six Sigma, Appreciative Inquiry, Weisbord's Six Box Model, ProSize Adka, Cotter's Eight Steps, and PCI's Framework. They should be able to make up their own framework to suit the business needs. Five, they may have formal studies in social psychology, systems thinking, adult learning, strategy development, economics, program management, organizational theory, including structure and process, power, conflict, negotiation, facilitation, coaching, leadership, management, research and analysis, and information technology. Six, they understand that communication is inextricably linked with change. A change manager without an understanding of communication models, methods, and tactics will not get you results. Seven, while they have probably refined their practice in the pressures of project environments, they can walk into an organization and set out a roadmap for the sequences and stages of change without having a project manager to answer to. Eight, they have very high emotional intelligence and ability to develop accelerated rapport and are very flexible. They demonstrate empathy, leadership, and situational wisdom. Nine, they have a few years on them. At the risk of sounding ageist, there is a need to have some years of experience behind them. I'd be looking for a minimum of five and preferably 10 years in an experienced change practitioner. 10, they need to be utterly curious and operate with a real passion for the field. 11, they can talk to success and failure in their experiences and what they've learned from those engagements. If we're thinking about internal change resources, Depending on the size of your company, you may already have a change management office or a CMO or a business unit that provides change management services. If this is the case, you will likely have an established company change methodology and the resources in this unit will often replicate a standard consultancy model, so a consultant, a manager and an analyst. The CMO is typically custodian of hiring permanent and contract change management resourcing ensuring consistency of change management processes, frameworks, and tools, maintaining a helicopter view of change in the organization, so what else is dropping at what time, prioritization of change efforts for the best impact, and building change capability through either a formal curriculum or coaching. In many companies, the prioritization of change resources comes through the funding approvals of projects. If you're working through a process where your project has got assigned funds, this may trigger a consultation with a change consultant to understand your scope and resourcing needs. Other companies are less formal, and it's more a casual negotiation in that you need to approach the head of change resourcing and alert them to your needs. It is important to be clear on what you're looking for in a change resource, and if you can, ensure you have the right to say no if the resource does not fit your needs. Of course, this only applies if you've got the budget to recruit elsewhere. External change consultants. 
In addition to the lists provided before, in evaluating what makes for a good change consultant, I would look for someone who has a breadth of experience, a deep knowledge of change management, an ability to develop rapport easily, a strong network that they can call upon for assistance or alternative specialist resources, available references or testimonials from clients, familiarity with your industry or the type of change to be introduced because it saves time and time costs with consultants. Change consultants will usually work on one of three costing models, a fixed price, time and materials, risk and reward. On fixed price, the consultant will provide a statement of work with a fixed price for the inclusions in the statement. This is most popular when the scope of the work is clear and there's unlikely to be ongoing work. For example, the consultant will be handing over to a change team internally. With time and materials, the consultant bills based on how much time is spent and any materials, so workshop supplies, catering, diagnostic tools and licensing. This is most often used when the outcome of the change is unknown and the variables are plentiful and it's difficult to estimate how long it will take. While risk and reward at the outset appears to motivate the consultant to bring about change and align with your goals, Risk and reward is the least favoured model for consultancies, namely because of how common it is for companies to change their change program. So this necessitates a frequent renegotiation of risk and reward and often takes the result out of control of the change consultant. You're going to find a wide variance in consulting fees from Tier 1 consultants, so Deloitte's, KPMG, Accenture, PwC, to smaller boutique consulting firms. The process for engaging your consultancy will vary depending on your sourcing and procurement policies and the cost of the engagement. In some companies, there's a strict process, and there may even be a list of preferred providers. It is unlikely that you're going to find a change consultancy on this list, so you may need to make the case with your procurement office as to why you need to go outside of your standard sourcing and procurement model. External change managers for contract engagement. A change manager for this purpose is brought into an organisation in a role that is tactical in nature, usually delivery focused and often for a discrete piece of work, so as a contractor or a fixed term appointment. In recruiting an external change manager, you've got three options. One, word of mouth, asking your trusted professional network who they've worked with and who they would recommend and contacting that person directly. Now, if you go down this path, you've already signaled to the candidate that they've got value you're looking for, and you may find that their rates are higher than those you would find through an agency or job board. It will, however, be a faster process and one with more surety, as it's unlikely that your trusted network will provide a bad referral. Two, using a specialist recruiting agency. Now, there are recruiting agencies who specialise in change management resourcing, and it makes much more sense for you to go through them than to go through generalist recruiting agencies, and especially technology recruiting agencies. They'll have a much stronger network of change management practitioners, know who is available and what their capabilities are. You often find that the technology recruiting agencies confuse the role with technical change management, and will find a person who is very, very different to what you're looking for. Now, specialist recruiting agencies are often very adept at helping you define who it is that you're looking for. And like all recruiting agencies, they'll charge a percentage for the placement, usually refundable if the candidate is determined to not be suitable within a set length of time. 
Your third option is open recruiting through a job board or your company's recruiting team. It may be your company's policy to use your own recruiting team, and this may limit you to a preferred layout and stipulation of job ad attributes. Review this chapter with your recruiting team so they understand what the characteristics are of the person you're seeking. Alternatively, you could just post directly to a job board, although that will have the result of potentially being swamped by candidates. There are a lot of people who think that they can do the change. So this begs the question, what does change management resourcing cost? Now, change management resources are a specialised asset and as such can appear costly. They tend to be on a par with other dedicated project professionals and other consulting fields. Depending on how you intend to resource and how many you require, you could be looking at anywhere from $150,000 Australian dollars a person to $4 million a year for the large team. A cross-check with global peers suggests that there's not huge variability in cost of change resources in the UK, Europe and North America. So depending on your currency, you could expect to pay the following. So a daily rate of between 550 to 700 a day for a change analyst, a daily rate of 700 to thousand dollars a day for a change manager, or 800 to 1200 a day for a senior change manager or change lead. The permanent rates would be looking at for a change analyst between 60,000 and 125,000. 90,000 to 150,000 for a change management change manager and then the more senior roles 150 to 190,000. The thing that's really important to do at the outset of your recruiting is to perform a cost benefit analysis. If you can quantify the benefits and the risks of your change that are dependent on usage or adoption, you start to be able to evaluate the return on investment of change management. So both Change First and ProSci have got really good white papers and online tutorials on how to calculate the return on investment of change. Of course, the flippant response to what does a change practitioner cost is what will it cost you to not land the change? In recent years, we've seen a trend towards fixed term contracts at the permanent rate. Now, this will work for you if there are not many change initiatives kicking off around you, or if you're prepared to take someone who is early career and ambitious, but not necessarily experienced. The risk-reward ratio is usually not sufficient for an experienced practitioner to do fixed-term contracts. So that is, it's rare to immediately roll on to another project. So in fact, if you want a change resource to take a break and re-energize. So the, final, the financial implications of taking a three-month break every 12 months becomes unattractive if you're looking at fixed-term contracts. There's also consideration of what it costs for resources in the non-profit sector. Now, I take a little bit of a contrary position on this. The resources still cost the same. They're not worth less because they work in the third sector. It's up to the change practitioner as to how much of their time do they want to donate to do the work. There are many practitioners who get enormous intrinsic reward working with nonprofits or charities, but ultimately, in all cases, the cost of change management resource needs to be considered relative to the desired benefit. So, some of the conversation starters to treat with this one. What are the benefits of this initiative in financial terms? What percentage of those benefits are dependent on our people making changes to their behaviour and adopting new technology or following new processes? Are we comfortable with a reduced financial benefit if our people do not adopt the change? If we think about 
who would be a great cultural fit for our team, what are those attributes? What is our thinking on internal versus external resourcing, contractor versus permanent hire or consulting? So taking those conversations starters forward into implications for your your choice in adventure. Adventure one, you do not know Adventure one, you do not know what the change is to be. You have no internal change resources, but you do have budget. So this chapter should have provided you with a guide on what to look for in a consultant and some clues on how to engage them. Talk with your peers outside of your company to understand who they've used and how effective they were. Adventure two, you still don't know what the change is to be. You've got no internal change resources and you do have budget. This should make life a little easier in recruiting your new team. I would be heading to a specialist recruiting firm on this one. So revisit chapter three again to understand the optimum composition of the resources you'll need to recruit. Adventure three, you do know what the change is to be. You have internal change resources and you do have budget. So this provides you a list for you to evaluate your internal resources so you understand their strengths and skill sets. If they don't have the requisite experience and skills, you may need to make a case for external recruiting. So share this chapter with the resourcing manager to help facilitate a conversation on who you might be able to have on your team. Adventure four, you may or may not know what the change is to be. You have no internal change resources and you have no budget to hire anyone. This section on calculating ROI may be useful to you in revisiting the need for a budget and then how to recruit. Failing that, use the attribute list to think about who exists in the organisation at the moment who meets those attributes. You may have an ally lurking around. So as a footnote to this chapter, this list was refined through conversations with members of the Organisational Change Professionals Group on LinkedIn, and it's a wonderful source of knowledge and wisdom in this field. I close out the chapter with an interview with Alan Herity of Momentum Search and Selection. And again, you'll find that on a previous podcast episode. So I'll put that into the overarching uh, consolidation post, which is on drjenfram.com. I hope this was useful for you and that as you start to shape up your change resourcing, you're perhaps going to look at it with a little bit more knowledge than you had before you listened to it. I'll see you in Chapter 5. been listening to a conversation of change with dr jen fram you can find many more resources on leading change at my website drjenfram.com i welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast why not connect with me on twitter at jen fram or linkedin 